Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome, hello, and thank you for joining us on today's podcast. I'm Tommy Small. I'm Artistic Director of Shaper Caper, a dance company based in the northeast of Scotland. I'm joined today by three other people, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So who'd like to go first? Hi, my name is Eleanor, and I go by she, her. I am part of The Body, which is the youth advisory company for Shaper Caper. And currently, I have just recently moved to Germany. So that's where I'm calling you from. Nice. Well, jumping across Europe. <laughs> yeah, hi. So my name is Myrta. I go by she, her as well. And I'm currently in Amsterdam, where I'm originally from. I'm also part of The Body and yeah. <laughs> You're indeed the co-chair of The Body as well. Yeah, I yeah. am. <laughs> <laughs> and then continuing our jet across Europe. We're going to come to our last person. <laughs> well, I'm in Fife, if that's not the most exotic of all of the locations, I don't know what is. My name's Alex, I'm the dance artist working with Shaper Caper, and I currently use they, them pronouns. And I'm Tommy and I use he, him. So, our podcast today, we're in Pride Month. We find ourselves in a very bizarre time, because, of course, with coronavirus, all, pretty much all, I think, I think all that I'm aware of, of the Pride, certainly in the UK, have been cancelled so far. Or, or some, are, some are saying rescheduled, but at the moment they're all cancelled. Lots of people are doing virtual online Pride, which have been really interesting to watch as well. But I just wonder then, how are we feeling in Pride Month? There's no Prides going on out there. Of course, Pride isn't just about a party, but I just wonder, how, how are we all doing in Pride Month? Well, when you were talking about the fact that Pride isn't a party and so on, I think this year has been the main turning point for me to really pay attention to that because the partying isn't really an option very much. And with Black Lives Matter movement going on, I think the, the trans women, especially the trans women of colour who are at the front line, I've learned a lot more about them over this month. So it's been a different kind of Pride Month, but a really good one for those reasons in particular. So in the Netherlands, it's actually not Pride Month. Usually we have Pride around like August time and there's like a big parade with like all the boats and yeah, that's like how it's usually celebrated, but I'm pretty sure that's not happening this year either. Yeah, I don't know, for me, it's a bit, weird being here. Like I've always been like, oh yeah, I'm from the Netherlands. We were the first country to legalize same-sex marriage, you know, we're very tolerant. But actually recently there's been some violence towards the LGBT community and it kind of shocked me because that's happening in my country. I'm, I'm just not used to that. So mm. how is Pride Month for me? I don't know. I'm a bit shocked, I would say. And Alex, how about you, sir? I feel somewhat similar to both of Eleanor and Myrta's observations because I've noticed a big influx in microaggressions right up to outright violence towards particularly trans people round about my area and round about Scotland and the UK in general which has always happened that's no secret but there seems to be a big swell behind that kind of behaviour which is worrying both in a personal way but also for your community as a whole I think we all have that feeling of it doesn't matter if somebody's next door neighbour or if they're in Germany or the Netherlands you know we are like in a worldwide community so it's 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 horrible to know that you might be safer simply because of where you are in the world that's always really really scary but at the same time I've noticed a big drop in 
massive companies bringing out pride clothing and kind of pride tm almost you know profiting off of pride but without meaning to to sound like judgmental but a lot of companies do that they bring out things for the month of june here's a t-shirt you can buy here's a flag here's whatever else so i've not noticed that personally this this year which I think has been good because as Eleanor had pointed out, there's been a lot more focus on actually where did Pride start? It was never a party. It was never everyone dressed up in glitter and rainbow shoes. It was a movement. It was an activism movement. And there's a lot of people that are researching about the Stonewall riots and are researching about people like Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, and actually how did this start and how did it happen? So whilst on the one hand, it's quite shocking to see that a lot of that hatred and a lot of that violence is on the rise. Equally, I think a lot more people are looking back to the real roots of Pride and realising where it came about and I think that is long overdue. It's interesting is I'm co-chair of Dundee Pride and of course with all the other Prides as I mentioned that that's been cancelled as well this year. So it's been an interesting one balancing even just when normally organising Prides is kind of balancing that expectation of people maybe outside of the LGBTQ plus community maybe thinking that Pride looks like a party and it's a fun time and let's all get together in a park and have a wee bit of a dance around and have some great entertainment. Whereas I think it's not lost on anybody within the LGBT plus community about what Pride actually is. (laughs) And first and foremost, Pride is a protest and it's about standing up for rights and it's about upholding those values of making sure that we're treated equally. And I think right now trans people are just being victimised in the most horrendous ways. That really feels difficult for me as someone who identifies as a cisgender gay male. I'm very aware of back in the 80s, gay men were victimised around the same time as the AIDS crisis as well. The fight for rights at that point as gay men was so overwhelming and profound that it's quite difficult to not feel emotional looking back at that time and to now fast forward how many years is that 40 years oh my goodness 40 years in the 80s oh i nearly fell off the chair okay i thought i I always feel like the 80s were about 10 minutes ago but oh my goodness 40 years ago what looking back at that and you just think the trans community are going through that very same process that gay men went through 40 years ago And it's just so awful. And to find people trying to find ways of justifying their bigotry is so uncomfortable to be around and to watch a society where social media, thankfully, wasn't around at the time when gay men were going through this situation. But just imagine what that must feel like to be at the end of that constant outrage. Alex described that there's microaggressions, but there's also actual full-on violence as well towards the trans community. So it's just, it's really interesting also that a lot of this debate was sparked by JK Rowling and her comments that for whatever reason she decided was appropriate during the Black Lives Matter movement and it's really interesting about hearing people's conversation on either pro her stance or anti her stance it's so complicated and it's also difficult you know when you look look through like you have your your Facebook friends people you maybe went to school with and there's maybe people like you no longer talk to and it was years and years ago And somehow, I think in the arts, we somehow, in the most part, because I don't think it's exclusive, but I think in the most part, the majority of us are more left-leaning, liberal kind of people who are inclusive and want us all to be a better, more cohesive society. Whereas you look within this world on my Facebook group and actually still see a lot of people who essentially came out as TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. And it's quite 
shocking. <laughs> She's then going, really? Okay. Yeah. And that's been a really difficult thing to swallow. And that's me just as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. I just can't imagine what that must feel like then for a trans person right now to experience that level of hatred. Horrendous at any time. But the fact that actually the one month in the year where people are meant to be trying to positively action change towards the LGBTQ community, in some ways it's highlighted how far we've still got to go. I feel like it's shocking, but it's not surprising. You know, again, as, as Eleanor highlighted with the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of movements that are trying to educate and trying to be progressive and inclusive, people see images of things that are being done to the trans community or, or being said to the trans community and they go, oh, that's, that's so shocking. But I think within the community, we know it's not shocking, which is shocking in itself that it's not, because there is a lot of binary thinking, even within the community. You're born a woman, so you're a woman. You're born a man, so you're a man. And, that, and that's what it is, is someone who identifies as non-binary or gender fluid. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm so fluid, I'm practically a glass of water because I just like, anything goes. I actually thought, and this is maybe my privilege speaking because I come from a very accepting, very progressive family, but I found J.K. Rowland's comments laughable. I felt sorry for her that she had such binary thinking because I thought, my goodness, if that is how you see the world as being women and man and you menstruate your women and that's it, you're missing out on all of the amazing human beings and all the amazing personalities and all the amazing stories. You're not learning. And I think it's ironic with her, Harry Potter, but being someone that's not quite fitting in and they're special and they don't know why. And there's just something mm -hmm. different. It's like, my mm. God, look in the mirror hen, you know? <laughs> and I do know people that don't come from supportive families and that being trans in their family is scary every day and they've received a lot of, of hatred from their own family. So I know as someone who's accepted by the family, I can find that laughable. But just because I find it something that's almost satirical, it doesn't take away from the venom. I've noticed a couple of flickers of hope around it though. Because of lockdown, I've been more in contact with like old family friends, especially people who are a generation or two above me. And because people are online all the time, I've actually found ways to get through to people. And I, I know people who have gone ahead and educated themselves through podcasts and things like that. And I've had genuine, fruitful conversations with people. For example, the they them pronouns. I know someone who is an English teacher and she said that she struggled with the whole pluralness of they before, but she actually was listening to podcasts, educating and so on. And I think that is something that really should be pushed. I was like, well done, good for you. I'm really proud of you doing that because it, it does make such difference, especially if you're getting more and more people from various generations to become more accepting and more knowledgeable, then that's great. <laughs> it's interesting. As part of our Hear Me Out project, which is a project looking at capturing oral histories of the people from the LGBTQ plus community and looking at making artwork in response to those stories, we've been partnering with Our Story Scotland, who are an oral history charity, and we've worked with Jamie Valentine from Our Story Scotland. And we did a little bit of training with him recently. He'd said this most beautiful thing about how language has evolved to a point where actually people who previously might have found it difficult to explain or to understand their gender and identity, that he, she didn't work for them. Actually, language has managed to evolve to be able to allow people to discover how to talk about themselves. 
And I thought that was a really beautiful comment. That's really stuck with me and resonated with me over the last few weeks since he said that. The importance of language, but also then the importance of language evolving and us being able to allow our mindsets to then shift to accommodate change in thinking. If you think about, you didn't say this, so I don't want to misquote him. This is Tommy Small saying this. But, you know, if you look at language over the years, have we got like WTF and OMG and stuff in our dictionaries and all that? So you kind of think, if people can get on board with that evolution of language and how we've gone from a very sophisticated language to then, in some ways, there's parts of our vocabulary where slang has now become the norm, which is maybe a bit more flippant and doesn't really mean anything. But the fact that some people can't get their heads around they, them, so you're okay with OMG and WTF and all those kind of stuff, but you're not okay with something that actually makes a significant difference to someone's life in a positive way, but you can't get on board with that. Okay. <laughs> I just kind of wanted to throw this in when Eleanor said the English teacher having difficulty with the pluralness, but I think, and again, this isn't speaking for all non-binary gender fluid people, it's just for myself, I use they them because of the pluralness, because I feel like there is the, it's almost like that angel and devil on the shoulders type thing. I do definitely have a masculine and a feminine and it's not one or the other day to day. They coexist constantly. Mm-hmm. I'll be like sitting and I'll be like, I'm a nine born, you know what I mean? Like dead masculine. And then I'll get on the phone with Tommy and I'll be like, oh yes, go your fears. You know, it comes together and, and I feel like there is a duality in myself and acknowledging that it is plural and it's not singular. For me personally, for a lot of people that may be different, people are getting on board with sexuality, with, with bisexuality and pansexuality. So I'm hoping that the gender's just lagging behind. I'm hoping that people can realise that gender's also fluid for some people. I'd never thought of that. And this is another thing for me, is that I love that I'm still learning, especially even within the community. And I think that's amazing. I'd never thought of the whole duality thing. That's mm. really cool, actually. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I hadn't thought about that either. So I wonder then, maybe we can kind of veer into a slightly different part of our conversation. When I came out, at that point in time, it still felt like it was quite a big deal and still took a lot of courage. There was still a lot of stigma. There was still a lot of difficulties around saying you were gay. It'd be really interesting because we're all different ages and come from different places. I wonder, was that a hugely traumatic experience or was it, you know, one of my friends, (laughs) he said to his mum, I'm gay. And his mum was doing the dishes and was like, I know, what do you want for your tea? And it literally, that was like the conversation. So I think I was about 14 when I started questioning if I was normal, let's say. Because like all my friends, they had these feelings for boys and they were talking like, oh, look how handsome this guy is. And I was like, okay, why do I not feel these same things as others do? I think there was still a really big stigma around sexuality for me. I knew someone in primary school who was a lesbian, but she was very butch. If you know me, I'm quite feminine. (laughs) We're not the same. I can't be a lesbian if she is. So I thought, no, I can't be that. I think I was actually in denial about my sexuality for quite a long time. I even said for a while that I thought I was asexual because I just couldn't accept the fact that I actually like girls. But yeah, then I met someone when I was around 14, 15. Yeah, we got into a relationship. It was lovely. (laughs) And that was also when I came out to my friends and family. I didn't quite know how to come out, honestly. I basically just came out by saying like, I have a girlfriend. And they're like, like a girlfriend, girlfriend. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I had very different reactions. 
my dad was like, oh, okay, when can I meet her? My mom was more like, are, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I remember this fun conversation with my grandma as well. My dad told my grandma and I think she just didn't know how to start the conversation or something. So one day I was sitting in the living room and she went up to me and she was like, oh, Mirta, do you have a boyfriend now? And I'm like, no, I have a girlfriend. And she's like, oh, really? That's fantastic. <laughs> that was kind of how I came out. It wasn't very bad or hateful. Like I didn't have any bad comments or anything, but it was definitely still a scary thing, even though it went quite all right. Since then, I would say my view on my sexuality has changed a bit. I, have, I definitely identify as bisexual now. I am in a relationship with a very lovely guy. I think I've kind of come to the conclusion that I am very easily attracted to girls, but I definitely am attracted to guys as well. It's just a different kind of attraction that I experience. I can definitely fall in love with both genders. That's where I am right now in my story. Yeah, gorgeous. It's really beautiful as well to hear that you were 14 when that happened. I was going to listen to that thinking, oh, I wish I'd actually been comfortable enough or lived at a time where I was able to articulate that. Because I see a lot of young people that we work with who are able to articulate at such a young age. It's equally beautiful, but also there's a part of me that goes, oh, I wish I'd had that. It's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I've noticed with both Myrta and Alex in particular, they've talked so far about what they feel at the moment. And I think that's very pertinent to me because I honestly don't know. <laughs> I have fluctuated between many different ways of describing myself at the moment. I've settled on queer, which has a background to it within itself, which I've discussed with Tommy before. I didn't know quite as much about the history behind the word queer, but for me, I really fits well because I just know I'm definitely not straight. <laughs> I thought I was until I was 18, 19. I really did until the night that I met my girlfriend and then that changed. And looking back on my childhood and teenagehood, there are a lot of signals that I should have read and realised earlier, but I didn't. But now I'm very comfortable with it. I'm very proud of it. I love the sense of community that I get from the LGBTQ plus community. I'm pretty the same there, Eleanor. I wish I could go back to nine-year-old Alex and be like, come here, you, you little scam. It was glaringly obvious that I was not straight and not cis. Well, just don't think about it and it'll go away. That's what you do, right? And it was, again, quite similar to Myrta. A lot of my friends were discussing various boys' index finger as being the most riveting conversation. I was like, ah, all right. It was just never my jam. I mean, I never came out, came out, because... Again, I was very lucky. Adal uses this phrase, as long as you're not frightening the horses, do what you want. <laughs> Which I don't even know what it means, but it makes me laugh. It essentially, you know, it was always the same. Be safe and do you, and be need to come talk to me. I never thought there would ever be an issue with gender, sexuality. It didn't, never mattered. I went out with some male-identifying people. I went out with some female-identifying people. I dated various different gender identities. It was never an issue. The only issue I can really recall was someone separate in my family that I'm very close with once had said when I really started getting into my groove about my gender identity and being fluid, and they didn't know this, and they had said, I'm totally fine with different sexualities, but I don't get all this non-gendered or agendered or gender fluidness. That's a load of nonsense. That doesn't exist. 
And had they known my feelings, that would have never been said, and I know that. But that did make me go, okay, this isn't the space to do this yet. And this was only like a year or two ago, still relatively recent. So that's how I say that I use their um, pronouns in work and with people that I'm comfortable with and people that I know. But there are still some members of my family that I haven't been explicit in saying this is who I am because I know it would never be a disown. I know it would never be we don't get you. But I just don't know if they're ready really to hear that because they are someone who likes to debate and likes to discuss things, which is something I love about them. But you don't always have the energy to defend your existence. You're not always in the headspace for that. There's more important things to be getting on with at the moment. That conversation will come. But I'm very happy being out and proud in the segments of my life where I'm out and proud. And some of it still has to be hidden. It's an omission, not a lie. I don't remember a time ever where I don't remember feeling like a gay man. So I feel like I was that kind of gay man from day one. Looking back, I used to dress up in George Michael clothes because I was obsessed with Wham back in the day. I used to sleep on a pillow of George Michael's face. Me and my sister would literally like exchange gifts. She would get Barbies, I would get Action Man, we would swap over, I would be dressing them all up in their beautiful ball gowns, you know, and tell my sister, she can't wear that, don't you dare let her wear that to the ball. So I was that absolute stereotype as a young gay man. And I think I just didn't really fit anyone's narrative with that same thing Alex about you so beautifully eloquently described the middle finger <laughs> I was laughing so much about that anyway we never had that same conversation all the boys were also talking about all the girls and I was always a bit like eh? and then looking at the boys going but do we not have a thing and I think I'd thought all along that actually me and the boys that hung up with were having a thing although it was, obviously it wasn't sexual because I'm talking about when we were really young but the attraction was always there to boys and my girls and my girlfriends obviously absolutely love women but it was never in that way it was never a sexual thing there was always my really close friendships with my girlfriends but it was always a different type of relationship with the boys I think I was actually 21 when they came out so looking at today's standards I was like really late although I was dating guys and seeing guys and all that but yeah I'm kind of the same as Eleanor described about I'm really happy and really proud to be a gay man I actually wouldn't want it any other way I've never ever struggled with being a gay man fortunately my head has always been in the right place about all of that and you've never questioned it in a bad way. I've always seen it as being a bit of a gift in a way. I've met my family of friends, all the things I do, my view on the world, I think is coloured by that. That brings a certain colour and shade to my life. I'm actually really thankful for it. But if you could look back at a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give yourself? I think I would say don't invalidate your own feelings. You know what you're feeling and if you feel that it isn't right don't just take it for granted don't force yourself to feel the same way because if you feel different you feel different and that's okay too i'm gonna be annoying and give that weird answer to it in that i actually wouldn't i would let myself find out when i did because i was at an age that i was very comfortable from the start and I didn't have any struggle. And I think had I known about it earlier, I might have struggled more and ostracised myself or tore myself down for it or something. So actually, I think it worked out the way it did for a reason. I would say that in America, there's this wonderful organisation that I'm sure we all know about called It Gets Better. And they're a brilliant organisation that brings big celebrities, big names together to talk about how life gets better. Sometimes teenage years can be quite complicated and difficult and emotionally turbulent actually 
like it's better. And I think there's always been something about that. But whilst I just described that I've always been fairly comfortable with it, of course there's been moments where it's been difficult, and particularly around where other people's points of views have been thrusted in my face. Then I question and go, oh, I'm quite vulnerable in some aspects and not how I feel about myself, but about other people's thinking and attitude towards me. So I think my advice to my younger self would be that exact organization's name, which is It Gets Better. There's two things I would give rather than things I would say. And I think the first is I would see if I could find a little compact LGBT plus language dictionary, <laughs> give that to myself to know the word non-binary or know the words gender fluid. My parents had a good few gay friends that I knew of growing up. They didn't know any trans people at the time when I was young. So I would have said this exists and I would have exposed myself to that a little bit earlier. So I think I would have given myself just even a little piece of paper with the word non-binary on it, Google it, look it up, get it on the AOL dial up, right? And then the other thing I would have given myself is Lady Gaga's anthem tune, Born This Way. I would have given myself that at the age of like six. Because when you're younger, you kind of look at other people because you don't know who you are yet. You're figuring out life. If I'd been around in the 80s, 90s or so, early 90s, I would have been like Madonna. That's the one. That's, that's, that's the one for me. But I was in that kind of in-between phase. Two completely different queens, yes, but they represent a similar idea. And Lady Gaga didn't come around until I was in my teens properly. And that was when I really started going, oh, I see what you're doing. And I like it, sis, keep it up. If that had been around when I was much younger, I think I would have been able to go, yes, that idea, that representation, that's me, I'm comfortable, let's go out there and let's, and let's, and let's do the damn thing. So that's the two things I would give. Well, I'm going to have to spill the tea, Alex, that actually Born This Way did come out many years ago, and it was in the form of Express Yourself by Madonna. Oh. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing as well, is believe in your icons, believe in your idols. I think if RuPaul's Drag Race had been around when I was younger, I would have been like, fierce, sachet! That would have been every word I used, I think. But I had Madonna, so then it was the one pushing the envelope. Here's a strong woman, not afraid of everyone telling her no and embracing the LGBT community in every video. And I feel authentic, it didn't feel like it was an advertising campaign, but it was authentically hard. I think that would be the other bit of advice that you just reminded me about, Alex, is yeah, believe in your idols. Great, well, thank you so much for joining us, Eleanor, Alex and Mirta today for the conversation. And thank you everyone for listening to our podcast and hope you all have a lovely Pride Month. Thank you all very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.